Good evening and welcome to a Saturday evening, March the 19th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and our regular Saturday evening guest, Mr. Lucas Doremus. Uh, we are glad you've joined us tonight, and uh, Lucas and I have just been talking prior to, to uh, taking to the airwaves officially, and I happen to know what tonight's subject matter is going to be, and uh, our listener demographic is going to love this because our biggest listener demographic is age 35 to 49, which I never would have guessed, but that's our biggest demographic. So this is, uh, uh, this subject matter tonight is going to be very appropriate and uh, probably uh, insightful and helpful, greatly helpful. So get your Bibles out, get your note-taking materials out, because Lucas is going to drop some science on us here. Mr. Doremus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you chuckling at, dude? At you. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, we're back in Proverbs. And uh, tonight we're going to hope to get through two topics here. Uh, the first topic, as you may have seen on the title of the podcast, is a ruler. Uh, there's a lot of verses in Proverbs about kings. And uh, that makes a lot of sense because the guy who wrote Proverbs was a king. Was a king. So naturally, he'd probably try to record what works and what doesn't work um it, 300 for, concubines for the record does not work <laughs> i was i was going to mention that in deuteronomy 19 if you want further study god laid out how a king is supposed to act uh, and yeah. uh, it, it's almost like one day solomon woke up and said eh, i'm gonna do the opposite <laughs> uh, yes yeah. So, but uh, but this is what he wrote down in Proverbs, you know, about what he what he thought about kings. Now, there are a few in here that just mention the word ruler, or sometimes the word master. So, in in reality, these proverbs I call it ruler because to me this is any kind of ruler, um, from a king to a dictator, all the way down to a ruler of a household, uh, maybe a manager at your work. Uh, leader of a church, leader of an organization, leader of a department, um, whatever it is. And so really, to me, you can apply this to anybody that is in some sort of leadership position. Now, when I say leadership, at least here in America, leadership is a really big topic. Um, If you've spent any time in the working world um, and gone to any seminars about, you know, work and all that, they talk a whole lot about leadership. Uh, and sometimes we have to talk about the lack of it. Yeah. And, and, and actually, the Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about leadership. Uh, the Bible has far more to say about being a servant than yes. it does about being a leader. And if you do study leadership in the Bible, ultimately, it's a stewardship. Yeah. A leader is somebody who takes care of something. Even if it's just your dog. Uh, on up to an entire organization or even a kingdom. It uh, doesn't matter. You're just a steward and that's what leadership is. So, so we're going to, so in light of that, we're going to do all these, all these proverbs. You can really apply to any level of rulership or managership or whatever you want to call it. Um, also, uh, I, I probably won't reference this very often, but all of these are about kings 
And it would be good to remind us that Jesus is a king. And so Jesus, when he comes down and reigns on earth as the king um, and is here, uh, all of these proverbs he will do in the in the positive sense. You know, there's some proverbs, a lot of a number of proverbs about things kings shouldn't do. He obviously won't do any of those. So we're going to start off in Proverbs 14, chapter 28. And this proverb says, in a multitude of people is a king's honor. But in the lack of people is the downfall of the prince. Uh, now, why is that? Well, if you don't have a lot of people in your kingdom, you don't have a lot of power. And so in the multitude of people, there's honor in that um, because you, you know, they, they sit under you and you're ruling them. Uh, but if you don't have a lot of people, that'll be your downfall because you'll get conquered or maybe you aren't doing a good job or whatever it is. And so, uh, and the more people, the more honor a king has. Uh, we see this in the world today. Uh, when we talk about world leaders, you ever notice we don't talk about world leaders of countries that aren't very big? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, th this is very true, that the more people, the more honor there is for that king. Chapter 14, verse 35, it says, the king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him who causes shame. Uh, boy, that's true. Just go into the working world, um, do your work wisely or do your work foolishly, and you'll very quickly find either favor with your boss or wrath from your boss. Yeah. Um, and so that, that proverb is pretty plain. Um, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 10. Divination is on the lips of the king. His mouth must, his mouth must not transgress in judgment. Um, what is divination? Well, there's lots of forms divination can take. Ultimately, divination is trying to know the future. Well, why would a king want to know the future? Well, so he can rule his kingdom. Knows how long he's going to stay in power. Knows how long he's going to stay in power. Maybe know how to keep in power from anybody trying to, say, assassinate him or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, wanting to know any invading armies. Uh, wanting to know any internal uprisings. Um, it is very, very uh, tempting for a king to want to know the future. And, and really for all of us, I mean, wouldn't we all like to know what tomorrow holds until maybe your death is tomorrow? And then we really wouldn't want to know what tomorrow holds. Right. So, so we all think we want to know the future, but we really don't. <laughs> Knowing the future isn't really that great. You know, how terrible would it be, Pastor Dick, if somebody said, Lucas, you're going to die in three years in this exact day? How, how terrible and fearful would I be for the next three years? Well, I sure go, I sure like to get a lot of things in that I should have done already. Mm -hmm. And what if that didn't end up coming true? Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't really want to know the future, but boy, it's tempting. And so, uh, well, divination, if you go throughout the Bible, uh, knowing the future you know, apart from God is never looked upon well in the Bible. Um, in fact, it's, it's recorded that it's a pretty bad sin when you go to the divination route. Right. It's, Just ask King Saul. King Saul. That's right. He tried to know the future. That's absolutely many, many Israel Kings did. 
And so divinations on the lips of the king, he, his mouth must not transgress in judgment. He must not transgress to say, I want to know the future. I'm going to seek it out apart from God. And, and uh, you know, the interesting thing is sometimes, especially in the Old Testament, the kings were told the future, weren't they? Yes, they were. Um, I can think well, of whether them. they wanted to know it or not. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking of Jeremiah right now, but he's yeah. certainly not the only one that right. he told the king of Israel or Judah exactly what the future held. And what do they do about it? <laughs> they'd imprison them. They'd kill the prophets. They'd find other prophets that would tell them a different future. Yeah. Uh, they did lots of things. So How yeah. About when, uh, when uh, Daniel had to tell Belshazzar the future. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that, that didn't look very good for Belshazzar. No, in fact, it looked so bad that, uh, that uh, he soiled himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, and that night it happened. That's, that's, exactly. that's why we don't want to know the future. <laughs> yeah, we really don't want to know. that. We might think we do, but yeah, we really don't. Right. Right. Chapter 16, verse 12 in Proverbs, it says, It is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. Um, now, Curtis, I know between you and I, we could go on and on and on about kings right now in today's day that are committing wickedness. Oh, I believe we could. Yeah, we, we could, and, and you we know, shan't, but we, we could. <laughs> we won't, and you know, sometimes uh, different podcasts on the Christian Underground News Network, we do go into that. Every so now. We, we, you know, we do. We're not shying away from it, but, um, but notice here it says, uh, "For a throne is established by righteousness." Um, you know, I, I when I read this, I kind of thought of David. Now, in David's throne, he he did commit sin. Yeah. You know, he, he, you know, the murder and, and adultery and things like that. But from my recollection, I've never heard anybody say David was a bad king. I've never heard that. I haven't either. Um, and so David was a very righteous man. He wasn't perfect, but he was a very righteous man. His throne was established. Um, because he did not do now it was an abomination when he did commit that wickedness but his throne was oh, established yeah. by righteousness yeah and so uh if you want to be somebody that's well remembered you better be righteous that's what's going to establish it um okay let's uh chapter I, I might have said this verse wrong chapter 16 verse 14 it says as messengers of death is a king's wrath, but a wise man will appease it. Uh, a, by the word of a king, you might die. Um, you can think of, you, you know, you brought up Daniel a second ago. You know, uh, earlier in Daniel from that story, you had, uh, whoop, oh boy, Nebuchadnezzar, that was his name. Yeah. He simply had to say the word and then people would go out and kill who wanted he, whoever he wanted yeah. death. But a wise man will appease it. Oh, didn't Daniel appease that wrath? <laughs> no. Well, he appeased it because he told uh, Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was. Oh, oh, okay. I, I misunderstood. I, yeah. I thought when the what you were talking about when the edict went out that nobody should pray to their to any other god. Ah, yes, we were talking okay. about two different. Okay. Yeah, two different stories there. Yes, I misunderstood. Sorry. Mm -hmm. 
So Daniel is able to appease his wrath by saying, yes, Nebuchadnezzar, I can answer your dream. Yeah. And the, now the only way Daniel could do it is by God's help, but it did work. So yeah, the king is, yeah, his wrath can cause death. That's for sure. Uh, and then the next verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 15, in the light of a king's face is life and his favor is like a cloud in the latter rain. Uh, when a king is happy, boy, there's life, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and you oh, want to yeah. be around when the king is very happy <laughs> and his favor like the cloud of a latter rain, um, you know, because after maybe the rain is very heavy, the softer rain is sort of calming. Yeah. And so that's what a king's favor is like. Yeah. Uh, but then as soon as the king's favor is nice, we go to chapters 19, verse 12, and it says, the wrath of a king, or excuse me, that's the wrong verse. The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. Yeah. And then a verse very similar to it, chapter 20, verse 2, it says, The wrath of a king is like a roaring lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. Now, a king's wrath, we, you know, that can cause death and the roaring of a lion. Well, nobody wants to be in front of a lion when it's roaring at you. Because that lion will tear you to shreds. You want to be in his favor. And so uh, that's what it's like dew on the grass or the cloud like a ladder rain. But then whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. Now, it doesn't say you're never allowed to disobey the king. But it does give you this warning that you should not provoke the king to anger. And that's very true. You know, we have a saying nowadays that says, you know, like, don't poke the bear uh -huh. or something like that. doesn't mean you can't. So what this proverb doesn't, it's not saying you can't disobey the king. It's saying don't provoke him to anger or you're sinning against your own life. Why? Well, because the king, if you provoke him to anger, possibly could kill you for it. Yeah, it could have you executed that's right. So don't do that. Be wise. Appease that anger. Uh, don't provoke it. Chapter 20, verse 8. A king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. Well, why is a king capable of that? Well, because the king has the authority to punish people. Yeah. And so if you sit on the throne of judgment, you can scatter that evil because people will tend to be more honest if they know you have the authority to do something to them, if they don't tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, be, be careful that if you, if you are the one who is the king, make sure you are on the throne of judgment, scattering evil instead of accepting bribes or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to a verse that kind of talks about that later. Uh, this is chapter 20, verse 26. It says, a wise king sifts out the wicked, and brings the threshing wheel over him. See, if you're a ruler, again, on down from, you know, a middle manager to the top executive or a king of a nation, whatever it is, you should be sifting out wicked from what you have a rulership over. Yep. You should not be encouraging it. You should not be hiring it. You should not be allowing it. Um, you're supposed to be sifting it out. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, you're, you're harsh and mean and, you know, things, you know, you just bring the hammer down always. We can forgive too, but yeah. you're not to be letting the wicked run rampant. You're supposed to be dealing with it. 
chapter 20, verse 28, mercy and truth preserve the king. And by loving kindness, he upholds his throne. Now, again, this, this verse, mercy and truth preserve a king. Well, Jesus is the king. So if anybody's mercy and truth, it's him. And by loving kindness, he upholds this throne. Um, if we're talking about an earthly king, if you are a good ruler and you have this mercy and truth and loving kindness, you know, people will be more content to be ruled over. Whereas if you're a wicked king, you're more likely to have people not want to be ruled by your, by you. And so depending on which side of this equation you're on, if you're the ruler, if you're the person being ruled, when these things, mercy, truth, and loving kindness, when they're in place, boy, it makes that rulership go a lot easier. Uh, chapter 25, verse 3. It says, as the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. We never really know what the king is thinking. And I like to think of this, that we, if you think of the president of the United States, or if you're in another country, maybe it's a prime minister, uh, maybe it's something like that, who knows. We don't know what kind of influences they deal with on a daily basis. You know, you listen to the news and we kind of get this idea that the president is sitting there thinking about policy and reading reports and just making decisions. My guess is that's really not what a typical day of a president is like. It's probably listening to a lot more private interests, um, a lot more private meetings where people are discussing what they want and what they're going to get out of it, things like that. Yep. So okay. I can't. Talking to lobbyists, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yes. In whatever form they take. Yeah. That's absolutely right. So when it, when it says the heart of the kings is unsearchable, uh, we don't know what influences he has. And because we don't know what influences we have, he has, we can never really be sure why he's saying what he's saying. And especially in America, we certainly can't trust him to go through with it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, gosh. Any politician that's held to their word, oh, that's yeah. it's pretty rare. Yes, very. And, and even if they say, you know, I set out to do this policy and that policy and I did it, well, maybe it, something happened that you could kind of claim was a fulfillment of that, you know, campaign promise, but it probably didn't actually turn out the way we were expecting it to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Just know that we don't really know what that king is thinking. And so, you know, if you, if the, you know, we've got an election coming up this year in America, uh, we'll another two years, we'll have a presidential election. When, when, uh, when rulers are making campaign promises, be extremely careful when you trust them. I am not saying there aren't good in politicians out there. Just be very, very careful. Yes. Because the heart of the kings is unsearchable. Very careful. All right. Chapter 25, verse, verses 4 through 5. It says, take away the dross from silver, and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Mm. I like to think about this verse in terms of purity, because that's the first half, is when you take away the dross, that makes the silver more pure. Yeah. You take away the wicked from before a king, that means his cabinet, his advisors, 
his officers, his generals, whatever it is, you take away those wicked and that will help establish the king in righteousness. Oh, like the FBI and the CIA and the DOJ (laughs) and the EPA. Yeah, you, you take away those influences, that will make a major difference in the king. That's absolutely right. All right. Chapter 27, verse 18. It says, whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he who waits on his master will be honored. This is talking about if you take care of your master, you will be honored. Boy, that's good advice for any of us in the working environment. Uh, Essentially, we all have masters. Even if you go up to the executives, they're still in some way uh, subservient to the board of directors or something like that. Yeah. So if you keep and take care of them, you'll be honored. Now, would you you give me the number of that verse again? Yeah, this is chapter 27, verse 18. Thank you. Yep. And uh, and this doesn't mean, you know, who he waits on his master will be honored. Don't do things that are dishonest. But boy, you work well for your master. You will gain honor. Chapter 28, verse 2. It says, because of the transgression of the land, many are its princes. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Oh, Curtis, I'm going to throw you a softball here. <laughs> because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. Could that possibly being re- refer to in America the number of departments? And things we have in our government? Yes, it, it could definitely possibly refer to that. Yep. And yeah. why do and why do we have the proliferation of that? Well, because of the transgression of the land. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, That's exactly right. I remember, you know, I used to be a school teacher and uh, I learned, you know, we have in America the Department of Education. <laughs> and and most people are probably aware of that department, but did you know there's actually a lot of sub-departments in that? Yes, there are. Like there's actually a, a department within the Department of Education that deals with private schools. That's right. See, I didn't know that until I went to a conference where that organization brought in some high-ranking person in that department of the department. Yes. So, so all I'm saying here is there are divisions of the government that are greatly impacting our lives that we probably don't even know exist. That's true. And they are out there. So because of the transgression of the land, many are its princes. Many are its princes. I think that would mean big government. That's exactly what it means. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Well, what's what's the uh, insinuation here? Well, if you understand what right is, you will keep the government a lot smaller. That's right. You won't let it get out of hand. Ronald Reagan. You won't tax people into oblivion and, you know, whatever it is. The Bible is a supporter of dispersion of powers and small government. But, boy, that's probably a topic for another podcast. (laughs) All righty. Chapter 28, verse 15 says, Uh Like a roaring lion and a charging bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. Boy, if you're wicked over poor people, they don't have anything to give you. They don't have money to be taxed. They don't have things like that. How is how much of it like a roaring and a lion, a roaring lion and a charging bear is like being wicked over people who don't have anything? Mm. That's that's pretty rotten. 
All right, the next verse, 2816, a ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. Uh, well, first, first half of this, a ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor. Yeah, if you're not wise, you'll think uh, when people do something wrong, you need to have more laws to stop them from doing wrong. <laughs> yeah. uh, at the end of the day, yeah. you do not trust your own people. Right. Which is why you keep making laws. Um, but then the second part, he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. I thought of Ahab here in the Bible when he wanted a vineyard. And he offered to buy it, and then the guy didn't want to sell. So Jezebel said, you're the king. Just go take it. Yeah, it's yours anyway, if you want it. Uh-huh. And uh, Ahab's days were not prolonged nope. because of that and many, many other reasons. Um, so do not be covetousness when you're a manager or ruler. Be content. Chapter 29, verse 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice but when a wicked man rules, the people groan. And boy, we could probably spend a whole podcast on just this proverb. Well, yes, but, we could. Uh, and I don't know. Take this where you want. I mean, I'd say there's a lot of groaning in America. Oh, every time somebody fills up a gas tank, there is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to get more local, I'd say there's a lot of groaning in <laughs> Illinois. Oh, you have a uh, remarkable flair for the understatement, sir. <laughs> uh, if you if you work, you know, at your job, and there's a lot of groaning, well, maybe there's some wicked people ruling. Now, you know, for for myself, you know, I work in a Christian organization where I would, would at least hope that everybody is ruling is saved, and they probably are. I'm not saying they're wicked, but you know, sometimes I don't do everything right. And, and so remember, people aren't, aren't always good or always bad, even when we're saved, you know, so you can be a safe person. That's not a good manager, or a good ruler or something like that. But when you're acting righteous and ruling righteous, the people rejoice. And sometimes you can see that, you know, there are certain, even in an organization where there's a lot of groaning, sometimes there's a department where there's a lot of rejoicing. Well, a lot of that has to do with leadership. I think, uh, Pastor, we've talked about things like that. I think you've mentioned, you know, leadership is what makes a church or uh, something to the effect of that. Yeah, everything, everything rises and falls upon leadership. Now, there you go. That's, that's what you always say. Yeah. And, and this verse is proving that to be exactly right. All right, chapter 29, verse 4. The king establishes the land by justice, and he who receives bribes will overthrow it. Um, boy, uh, maybe this looks like, you know, if you sign this law, uh, we'll give you this money back to your state that you can use for these people that you need to spend money on. Yeah. Mm. Uh, if you uh, vote for this, we'll do this for you. Yeah, we'll give your son a job. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll stop there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't really have to, don't really I, have to go any yeah, further. I, I have a feeling I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. How did you get mixed up with guys like us? For uh, you raised yeah, it. Right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so if you are a ruler, do not, do not, do not receive bribes. 
you are overthrowing the land and you are uh-huh. not establishing justice. That's right. And I'd say in America, there's a whole lot of injustice going on. I would say so. Yeah. All righty. Chapter 29, verse 12. If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. Well, because people, what you just said, Pastor, people rise and fall with rulers, which means they're going to listen to that leadership. <coughs> and yeah. if the leader is okay with lies, well, what's everybody else going to do? They're going to lie right along with them. So I'm telling you, and I've, I've experienced it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. And so if you are a ruler and you start lying or accepting lies, you are walking down a bad road with whoever you are ruling over. Uh, They're going to start lying too. And now you have distrust and bribery and, you know, whatever else goes along with it. Don't do it. Chapter 29, verse 14. The king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. And so, you you know, the poor that don't have a lot, judge them correctly. Uh, That doesn't mean subsidize and give them money to not work. That is not what that means. It means to judge them correctly. Um, And so, you know, we have kind of a situation in America where we give people money, even if they don't work. Um, And uh, just because they're poor, that means we got to rule them in truth, judge them in truth, not just allow them to keep not working, which is actually, this is the last proverb and ruler. And that was a great segue to our our next subject, which is work ethic. Work ethic. Yeah, boy, to, just to say it plainly, the Bible tells you to work hard. <laughs> Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Yep, there are, you know, we're going to, this is in Proverbs, but, you know, I think was that, uh, that was a New Testament passage you just quoted, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, boy, boy, the New Testament has a ton to say about how to oh, work. Oh, boy. Yep, so we're going to stay in Proverbs, but boy, this, this subject gets a lot bigger. And the verses we're going to go in. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see a number of repeated proverbs too. We're very, very close to repeated. And, you know, some of these are when, when God repeats a, a verse almost word for word at two different points, yeah. probably means it's pretty important. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. And there's from, from my study, I found roughly 22 sets of repeated proverbs. Uh those are probably pretty important which by the way this study that we're doing and those repeated proverbs it is available on our website um, what says the scripture.com we we point that out not because we make any money off of it but because we want to enhance your study that's it amen so all right go so we're going to go back to chapter 10 verse 4 we're going to talk about work ethic Uh, he who has a slack hand becomes poor but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, one word that's going to pop up pretty frequently in all these verses is the word diligent. Yeah. It means to work hard, to be focused, uh, things like that, uh, to carry something through to completion, all those things. So when you are diligent in your, in your work, when you're focused, you work hard, you complete it, that is what will make you rich. But when you don't do that, uh, you'll become poor. Because you're not going to advance, you're not going to make a lot, you're not going to have a lot. And so when we talked about money a few weeks ago, 
you know, there are two types of poor that the Proverbs talk about. One of those is poor because of some circumstance, uh, you just don't have a lot. And the other is you're poor because you didn't do what Proverbs told you to do. And so a lot of times in these, when we talk about poor, you are poor because you didn't work hard. So I say that because not all people are poor because they didn't work hard. But in Proverbs and the verses we're going to do, that's typically the case. So anyway, uh, chapter 10, verse 5, it says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. So when you gather in summer, well, that's kind of strange because in summer, that's really not when you gather what you planted. But what are you doing? You're preparing and doing all the work and you're being very diligent about making sure you have enough food. Yeah. On the other end of that, when you don't do any work, when you sleep during harvest, which is the time you're supposed to be gathering food, boy, that's pretty shameful. Yeah. Because you've told you're not not only are not working hard, but you're missing the right time to work, which is even worse. Especially since you consider once harvest is done, that's winter. Yeah. You don't necessarily have food in winter. Uh, chapter 10, verse 16. The labor of the righteous leads to life, the wages of the wicked to sin. Yeah. So when you work hard, you will have a more abundant life. Uh, when you don't work hard, uh, that leads to sin. Well, idleness, uh, I would consider a sin. Uh, let's just put it like this. If God goes to tell you to do something, and instead of doing it, you just stay home and sleep. I'd, I'd say that's a sin. Yeah. Because you're not following through with what God told you. That's mm-hmm. right. And so that's what this is talking about. Did you have something to say, Pastor I, Dick? No, no. Oh. I, would just, I would just enthusiastically agree. <laughs> okay. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Chapter 10, verse 26. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a lazy man to those who send him. And I just think vinegar to the teeth, smoke to the eyes, it stings. Yeah. Boy, it hurts. It stings. And boy, when you send somebody to go do something and they're too lazy to do it, oh, doesn't it just sting? Yeah. It just hurts. So uh, if you are the one sending, don't send a lazy man. Right. And if you are the one being sent, make sure you are not lazy. All right. The next proverb, chapter 12, verse 11, it says, he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Now we're going to read the repeated proverb here in 28, 19. It's repeated very close. It says, he who tills his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. So when you till your land, you work hard, you're going to be satisfied, you're going to have plenty. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do that, that word frivolity uh, means empty or vain, which basically means you're not doing anything. Uh, Not only was that devoid of understanding, but you will have poverty instead of satisfaction. Um, so if you want to be empty and hungry, well, don't till your land, don't work. Mm-hmm. If you want to be satisfied, go work. Chapter 12, verse 24, 
The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Um, You know, here's an interesting thing. Uh, The harder you work, that will typically earn you a promotion. Now, I understand promotions aren't only about work ethic, but, you know, when you work hard, that generally leads to a promotion and Mm -hmm. sometimes managership or something like that. Yeah. I hear that story pretty often. But a lazy man will be put to forced labor. Well, if you're lazy, you're going to keep doing that level one job. And honestly, your supervisor is probably going to be on you constantly because he has to be for you to get any work done. Yeah. I'd call that forced labor. Yeah. Because you're not doing it because you want to. You're doing it just because you got to have a job to eat, but you're not a good worker. That is not good. All right, chapter 12, verse 27, it says, The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is a man's precious possession. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when, so a lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. Well, because maybe he's too lazy to properly go get all the meat. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't even, you know, if he, even if he gets a deer or something, he doesn't even process it. He doesn't even get it back. He's too he's lazy. So lazy. He, he's decided that he's going to just enjoy the fruits of somebody else's labor. That could be it. Yeah. Maybe he shoots a deer and a deer runs away and he's not going to chase after it. Yeah. Boy, how lazy. But diligence, see, working hard, finishing it, focusing, all those things, that is a man's precious possession. So the fact that you are diligent, that is precious. Now, I went through here as I was studying this. The something that is a man's precious possession or a possession, that would be an excellent study. Yeah. So, so any of our listeners out there, you want to increase the study of Proverbs we're doing, go study how many possessions a man has in Proverbs. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Maybe that's one I'll do someday. Yeah. Chapter 13, verse four, it says the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Well, if you're lazy, you do desire things, but you don't have them. (laughs) Why? Well, because you're lazy. You don't go get them. But if you're diligent, you'll be made rich because you will go out and get what you want, what you desire. Uh, Chapter 13, verse 25, the righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. Because if you don't work, you'll probably go hungry. Boy, there's a number of verses about working hard and eating. Yeah. That's kind of interesting, especially since Paul says in Thessalonians. Yeah, if a man does not work, neither shall he eat. Yep. And I remember telling, you know, when my kids were a little younger, you know, they wouldn't want me to leave for work in the morning. And I used to tell them very plainly, buddy, if we want to eat food, I've got to go work. Because at the end of the day, why do we work? To keep ourselves alive. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why there's so many verses in here about food and, you know, things like that. And as far as, as far as working. All right. Chapter 14, verse 23, in all labor, there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Now, if you do labor, generally, you're going to get a profit out of it. You know, you're going to be able to make, you know, bring home the paycheck. 
Uh, maybe you're making something that you can sell or something like that. In all labor, there is profit. But you know, even if you don't sell that thing that you made, uh, didn't you profit from learning or getting better in how you made it? Good point. Or maybe you labored and it didn't work out and you learned ways you weren't supposed to do it. Yeah. You learned how not to make it work. And so the Bible, when it's talking about profit here, it could be talking about money, profit, but it might be talking about wisdom. And yeah. isn't wisdom learning how to do or not do something, isn't that more valuable than money? Oh, yeah, yeah we, we did a little study on that a number of weeks ago, how we wisdom is more profitable than money. They're more, you know, more precious, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Well, if all you're doing is standing around talking, well, you're never really going to get to work, which is never, which isn't going to make you rich. Now, also in Thessalonians, Paul talks about the, the women in the church being idle. And I think he even ends up calling them busybodies. Yeah. Because when you don't have anything to do, and you just going around talking to people, well, you start to kind of create problems or make your problems theirs when it would be better if we just kind of worked. And, that, and that's a much better situation. All right, chapter 15, verse 19. It says, the way of a lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. So when you are lazy, it's like walking through a dense forest. You're turning this way and that, you're moving branches out of the way, and you're, you know, walking hard. Oh, and by the way, all those branches you have have thorns, so not only are you working really hard, but you're getting cut at the same time. But if anybody's ever been on an interstate on a car, <laughs> the one I think of is, I, I meant to look it up, uh, the interstate in, Brass, in Nebraska that heads east-west, east, it's really flat. If anybody, if any of our listeners have ever driven on that highway in Nebraska, it's really oh, flat. Okay, yeah. yeah, I have too. You could fall asleep on that because it's such an easy drive. Yeah. Yep. And that's what I think of. The way of the upright is a highway. When you work hard, life is a lot easier <laughs> when you're lazy. Yep. Chapter 16, verse 26. The person who labors, labors for himself. For his hungry mouth drives him on. Well, we've talked about that. Why do we work? Ultimately, it's to keep ourselves alive. What do we need to keep ourselves alive? Food. So when you labor, you labor for yourself because ultimately it's to keep yourself alive. And if you got a family, well, you probably labor for them too. Uh, chapter 18, verse 9. He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. Um. Nobody likes to have what they've built destroyed. Uh, and so it's interesting here that the Bible equates laziness, not working, to being a great destroyer. Mm -hmm. And so working hard, that's a very important topic, very important thing to God. And so if you are out there and you struggle with your work ethic, read these Proverbs. And be encouraged that you need to work hard or else you're destroying things. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Chapter 19, verse 15. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. Uh, when, you know, maybe you do it like this. You know, have you guys had those days 
where you feel tired all day because you never really wake up. Yes. And on those days, we always find that we've never really done anything. Yes. We've stayed in bed. Maybe we've just read a book or, you know, for people that just flip through their phones or watch TV, you're tired because you're not really doing anything. And you tend to nap and sleep a little bit more. Now, Curtis, you're working swing shifts. So, man, you got to sleep. Okay. I'm not talking about you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir. And when you work third shift, you got to, you got to get your sleep. Oh yeah. Um, There's no doubt. Yep. But an idle person will suffer hunger. And boy, we've talked about that a lot already. Um, Here's another proverb that's repeated. We'll read both of those. This is chapter 19, verse 24. It says a lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. That's repeated almost word for word in 2615. It says the lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. Some people are so hungry that even, or sorry, excuse me. Some people are so lazy that they can put their hand out for food, but they don't even want to bring it back to their mouth to eat it. They expect somebody else to feed them. They're so lazy. That's right. Oh, um, no. Yeah. And, oh, and that, that sounds a lot like our current governmental system today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I thought of the the saying we have in English where we say, uh, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make it drink. That's right. This would be a modern way to say exactly this proverb, boy. Indeed. Yep. You you can lead somebody, do everything for them to get them there. But at the end of the day, they have to do the work. That's right. All right. Chapter 20, verse 4. It says, the lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. So what this saying, a lazy man will not plow because of winter. A lazy man will say, you know, I'm really not going to do that because it's just going to be winter soon anyway. Why bother? You know, the lazy man, they'll come up with a reason to not work hard. So instead, what will he have to do? Well, he'll have to beg in order to get his food. Um, You won't have anything. Uh, uh, Don't be like that. Chapter 20, verse 13, it says, do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. Um, you know, it, it can be enticing to just want to rest and sleep. Um, but do not love sleep as in uh, don't stay up really late and then sleep through most of the day. Right. You know, and, and I'm not saying, I mean, there's people that need sleep more than others. Um, I happen to be a person that doesn't need really a whole lot of sleep. Uh, Curtis, I think you are too, right? You really. Well, I, I structure my sleep because I work on a swing shift. So I try to get at least five hours a day. Mm-hmm. That's not but a lot. Five to, if, if I get six, I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, but six at the most probably. Yeah. Okay. And so, and so you are one of those people that don't need as much sleep. You I know, just sleep other, about a third of the day and, and, and operate okay. Yeah, other people might need eight or nine. And yeah. that's fine. That's not what this verse is talking about. It says, do not love sleep. Do right. not love, do not sleep too much. And however your body kind of, you know, judges that God made all of us differently. Lest you come to poverty. Uh, people that sleep all day are very rarely successful. Yeah, that's true. 
So, uh, so don't sleep all the time, you know, get, get, get the sleep you need, but not more than the sleep you need. Right. Chapter 21, uh, verses 25 through 26, it says the desire of the lazy man kills him for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. Oh, so now we've read a whole lot about laziness and not providing and things like that. But now notice it's now connected to coveting and being greedy. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're lazy and you don't have anything, that's a pretty natural move into greedy because you want what other people have, but you're certainly not willing to work for it. Right. But the righteous gives and does not spare. Oh, but if you're righteous, you have enough to give. Um, and I know sometimes we give, uh, you know, maybe a lot more than maybe th people think we should. Yeah. But, you know, as we studied in money, sometimes you have to do that. You're supposed to be very generous. Yeah. All right. These next two are fun. Uh, well, the next one that's repeated. This is 2213. The lazy man says, there is a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. This is repeated very closely in 2613. It says, the lazy man says, there is a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. Um, again, we kind of mentioned this. A lazy man will find a reason not to work. Yeah. Uh, what, what Solomon is saying here is, there is no lion in the streets. Yeah. There is no lion, but a lazy man will come up with a reason to not yeah. work. I've, I've got written in the margin of my wide margin Bible. It's sitting right here. Uh, I've got written terrible excuse. Exclamation. <laughs> there you go. Now, if there ever is a lion outside of your house, I would recommend you not go outside. That's uh, exactly but, right. uh, but, but this proverb, yes, it's excuses. Yeah. What a lazy man. So if you find yourself making excuses for why you didn't do things, you might be making lazy. And, you know, I, I'm pretty convicted by this. Uh, one thing I'm not good at is uh, getting back to people when they text or call. I'm, ba I'm bad at it, and, and I will admit it. And, you know, I have come under conviction that a lot of times you'll say, when you finally do call them back, you'll say something like, I'm sorry I didn't call you. I was busy. Well, I, I'm not saying you weren't busy, but you probably weren't so busy that you couldn't call back. So I will refrain from saying that now because that's an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. I did have things to do, but I didn't have enough to do that. I couldn't call you. That's a crummy yeah. excuse. Yeah. And that guy that you don't, that you didn't call, he probably has things to do too. Right. <laughs> he was so also busy. Yeah. So understand it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. don't, don't make excuses. That's a sign of laziness. Twenty-two, uh, twenty-nine. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Uh, you work hard. Again, generally, you'll be promoted uh, in one way or another. And that's just a general principle. Not always, because that's not your work ethic is not the only factor in yeah. promotions. But as a general rule, you work hard. Uh, that'll happen. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 24, 27, boy, this is one of my all time favorite Proverbs verses 24, 27. It says, prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field and afterward build your house. Oh. Um, what this verse is talking about that when you have a project of some, you know, you're, you're building in this case, it's building a house. 
there is a lot of work to do to prepare for that. And uh, we need to understand that our work ethic should allow us to prepare for doing the work we really want to do before we ever actually start it. You know, in terms of preparing for to build a house, that could be you got to clear the land, which means maybe you need to get some tractors out there to clear it. Uh, You've got to plan out the uh, house in detail of what the foundation is going to be. You've got to maybe secure funding. Uh, You've got to call people that can help you do work. And so there's so much work to do before you would ever actually lay a foundation for a house. Yeah. And you take that principle with whatever you're working on. Just be prepared that if you want to start something, there's a lot of prep work that should take place before that. So here's what you're doing. You're teaching people. I teach people. Curtis has been a teacher of people. And so 2 Timothy 2.15 goes right hand in hand with this proverb. Study and show thyself approved unto God. You got to do that first. You've got to prepare first. Yes. And I don't know about you two, but when I prepare something, sometimes I'm convicted for whether I'm doing enough preparation. Boy, all the time. Yep. And, and sometimes when I do this podcast, I relate it to other weeks I prepare and, you know, certain, like, as, as we've done in this proverb, this proverb is like last week when we talked about depression and things, Yeah. I really deviated from how I'm doing it today. Yeah. But the reason I did is because I felt the subject needed it. Mm-hmm. So when I studied and prepared for this week, I didn't do the same thing. And I did have a, boy, am I really spending enough time in this? Yeah. And, you know, you're just in this verse is what comes to mind. I'm making sure I'm preparing my outside work. So, yeah, you're exactly right, Pastor Dick. That's a good that's a good way to say it. Well, I wish I would have come up with that when I was studying. See, I didn't prepare enough. OK. Yeah. No, yeah. Because <laughs> that was you, off. You do. You're, you're a better preparer than yeah. most people I know. Part yeah, but that was off the top of your head. So I still got room to grow. You know? Well, but then I'm. I've been reading that verse for 80, well, well, I'm 81 years old. How many years do you think I've been reading that verse? Well, not 81 years. Could you read no. when you were born? Yeah, oh, well, okay, I, so I, yeah, I, could, I could read when I was in second grade. And, and, oh. and, and also, he's almost bald now, so yeah. things, things slide off the top of his head a lot. Better. Oh, that's how it works. Well, well, I have to go yeah. shave yeah. my head. Well, I see how you guys do it now. Let's shut up and let Lucas do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I didn't start. (laughs) Chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So your poverty shall come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Uh Yeah. Um, Take care of what you own. You know, if you own a house, don't let it fall into disrepair. Um, If you're, you know, in a business and, you know, you should go over things that you do to make sure they're working well. Um, you know, just take care of what the stu- whatever God's given you, take care of it. Don't let it fall in disrepair. Okay. Um, and, you know, there are ways to be frugal about that and everything. But, you know, if you've got a mold problem in your house, 
take care of it. Yeah. You know, that, that, the, the funny thing is that is a godly thing to do it is. Yes. <laughs> is to take care of your house or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Correct. Yep. So just, just remember that as you're taking care of what God gave you, keep yeah. upkeep. That's yeah. a godly thing to do. Yes, it is. All right. Chapter 26, verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a lazy man on his bed. <laughs> uh, he's just tossing and turning and not getting up. <laughs> you, know, um, you should at least do one sit up a day. That's getting up in the morning. That's half. And then you lay down at night. That's the other half. <laughs> you know, everybody should do at least one sit up a day. Don't be a lazy man that doesn't even get out of bed. Are you, hey, are you by any chance going to read verse 16? Because I've always loved that verse. That's the last one I was due. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> if you want to read it, go ahead. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Yeah. I love that. A lazy man always has a reason. He's lazy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we talked about excuses before and the lion verses. Same thing here. Mm. Now, notice a lazy man is wiser than seven wise men. <laughs> yeah. He thinks he is that smart for why he's not working hard. <laughs> hey, listen, it, I have to give you an example on this one just very quickly. Yeah. I worked with somebody like this not too many years ago that that put so much uh, effort into how he could get the most out of the system mm. and without doing as much work. Mm -hmm. And it ended up uh, badly for yeah. him, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and uh, so that's a lesson. And I told him, I said, someday you're going to be out of a job because of that. Mm -hmm. No, no, I've got it figured out. Okay. <laughs> and sure as heck, one day he was out of a job. Yep. Oh, and behold. Yeah. Boy, Proverbs makes that pretty clear. What well, happened, doesn't it? Yeah. So, believer, if you're out there, uh, if you want to sum it all down, work hard. Yeah. Us believers should be the hardest working people on the planet, really. Absolutely right. Uh, they they, they really should. And, and, and by the way, that does not mean we're working 80 hours a week at our job. That's right. There's also something to be said for working smart. Yeah, because we should work hard, but that doesn't mean overwork. That's right. In fact, I think we read a verse, or maybe this is in Ecclesiastes, it says, do not overwork to be rich. Yes. Your own understanding That's cease. Right. What that means is work at your job very hard, the appropriate amount. Yeah. Then you go home and work with your family really hard. That's right. And when they go to, and when your kids go to bed, you still work hard. Yep. You know, you always do that. And, and God will give you time to rest. God rested on the seventh day. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. mean you can't ever take a break. God doesn't want you to get burnt out. No. He's talking about being lazy. Yeah. Don't be lazy. Work hard. Yeah. So that's right. I agree. And we could say, amen, amen, because everything you said today was absolutely scriptural. Yep. So and that's uh, that's what we like. That's what mm -hmm. you're that's what you're supposed to do, and you were prepared to do it. God bless you. <laughs> yep. And we should and we should work very hard, but 
want to make sure if, if there's somebody out there that isn't a believer, if you've never believed in Jesus, you need to today. And uh, we're talking about working hard and just things like that, but you still need to place your faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you before you worry about working hard. Well, man, uh, we, need to, we need to do, we need to work hard now. Cause that, what, what do you say, pastor? Uh, there's a day, the night cometh when no man will be there's, able to work. That's right. Mm-hmm. And yep. so, yep. Yep. So, so with that, I think I'm finished and we'll continue with another subject in Proverbs next week. Okay. Do you have anything specific in mind? Oh, I think I've, you know, out of my uh, organization, which again is not, I'm not dogmatic about uh, right. the next subject alphabetically is social settings. <laughs> and what these, what all these Proverbs are about is about how we act uh, with other people. Okay. And that's, that's going to be a fun one. Oh yeah, boy. Well, yeah. 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 Wow. You, you, you might step on toes. I uh, stepped on some, you stepped on some toes this session. Yeah, trust I me. Know you did. Okay. <laughs> if, if I step on toes, just, just know that as I study this and I step on my own toes. Yeah. Years ago, I've told my father, my wonderful father that I got and called me into the ministry and he didn't hesitate uh, two seconds for which he had his index finger out. And he said, young man, when you don't, don't you point your finger at your congregation unless you first point it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And we do that. You do yep. that. And I know you do because yeah. I know you very well. Well, and, and Proverbs is one of those books that's so black and white. Yep. It's going to really make you think is. like that, or it really yeah. ought to. Yeah, it really is. Well, yeah. thank you, brother. Yeah. We appreciate your time. And, uh, and effort that you put into this and what a wonderful lesson I'm, and we look forward to next week's too yeah, that's right we it's already mentioned I'm two months away from being 82 years old and here I am learning stuff tonight from you hooray mm-hmm. Never that's, stop. that's what we want uh, our audiences to do to learn 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 okay yeah good deal okay all right Lucas thank you very much for that hour my brother and uh, to our listeners, thank you for being with us. Uh, if, if you were with us the entire hour, and I'm sure you were, you were probably blessed by a lot of what you heard tonight. And yes, maybe you were even convicted a little. If that's necessary, the Holy Spirit will make it happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, but I'm sure that either way, you benefited from what you heard tonight. So uh, we, we appreciate that uh, about. Lucas being with us, and uh, we we look forward to next week's lesson. If whether or not it is about what you said it might be about, we're still looking forward to it. So, I want to remind our listeners very quickly uh, to be with uh, us next Saturday morning when when Pastor Dick will be back, uh, and especially this Tuesday. Also, this Tuesday morning, we we missed this past Tuesday because. JB couldn't be with us, uh, but he, uh, as far as I know, will be with us again this Tuesday morning. So things will get back on track here in the upcoming week. So don't miss any of them. We're sorry if you were looking for episodes on Tuesday and Saturday morning and didn't find one, but we'll make up for it. I promise. Until then, 
May God bless and keep you. And this is the Christian Underground News Network signing off until Tuesday morning. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.